Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We we're back.、Um, we've been busy. I know that、uh, we've been busy playing video games,、mm-hmm. and I know that you will、um, out which video game you're playing on the next episode of Verity. So I'm going to buy you a few days until then.、Uh, Before revealing what game that is, so people don't spoil it. But that's that that has kind of、um, cut into our lazy Doctor Whoing a little bit. Yeah, it has. I figured Verity listeners they won't spoil me. I'm honestly less sure about listeners to this podcast. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Well, it's. I mean, it's 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 a big thing to to you know out oneself as.、Uh, Oh, that was weird. <laughs> Turned up the volume because I can hear myself. I've had、uh, a glass of scotch during the course of this, so、uh, um, I so therefore I'm a little less coherent, coherent,、uh, sharp. Plus, we haven't done this like for two or three weeks now. So, so anyway,、uh, but we're back at an hour watching two episodes of The Demons, or as the doctor says, once and once only, The Demons. Yeah, I was like. Because I've always kind of wondered. I've heard people pronounce it different ways, and somehow, like I just settled on. I, for some reason, I thought it was the demons. And then we get to episode. It's in episode two, right? Where he says it. Yes. Yes. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And he says the demons from the planet Demos. And I was like, oh, I've been saying it wrong all this time. Lots of people have been saying it wrong all this time. That's weird. And then later he goes on to say demon multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. So, get off your high horse, doctor. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Does he call him that just so everyone else is? I I don't I don't know why they say that.、Uh, maybe it was just you know from the doyleist standpoint. He you know it was a different shooting day or something, and he changed the way he pronounced it from the beginning to the end of the. No, it was the same scene. <laughs> Literally the same scene. Well, then we're just gonna lay, lay this one on、uh, on John Pertwee. Okay, my. In-universe Watsonian、uh, decision is that yes, they're from the planet Demos.、Yeah. They are called Demons, but it's Earth, so he's using an Earth accent for the rest of the time. Or, or we've, we know they they're known as the Demons, but on Earth、uh, they have been called the Demons. Yes, for for hundreds of years probably. So okay, sure, fine. Sold. How how do you pronounce that little A E together? Like you know, it's not Caesar,、mm-hmm. Julius Caesar,、mm-hmm. it's Julius Caesar, right? Yeah. So I and I don't know anything about Latin. Like the doctor,、no. first of all, is very rude to to Joe about、uh, failing Latin as well as science.、Um, I never took Latin because it was never offered、uh, in my high school, and I could have. Pr- I assume I could have taken it in college, but why would I do that? Well, back in 1971, it was still a living language, so. <laughs> That old. <laughs> you're you're terrible and and funny,、um, but yeah. So let's just let's just say we're gonna call it the demons and let that be that. Sure. Let、uh, let demons lie. Is that a thing? That's not a thing at all. Let sleeping demons lie. Sure, <laughs> but, but but they don't. No. Because because、uh, uh, this big giant demon who we don't see、mm-hmm. comes out and like leaves big giant hoof prints and walking across the,、mm-hmm. the countryside. That was cool. That was genuinely cool. I did not remember that, and probably when I watched this in black and white, I probably couldn't see him very well anyway. No.、Um, so I I didn't remember that bit, and I didn't know to expect it. So first of all, I was like, "Yeah, helicopter!" It's always exciting when they have a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.、Um, and then the fact that they see like 
whoever did the work to spread those things out across the countryside, bravo, because that must have been a pain in the butt. Well, what it was was a quick model shot. Was it really? <laughs> yeah, it was a model shot. Then it was a very effective model shot because I had no idea. I thought it looked great. Yeah, I think they just basically had a, the end of a, a model helicopter fly across a model um, a map, I think, for such a quick shot. I think that's how they did it. Wow. Well, bravo, because that looked great. Also, just the idea of these giant hoof prints is very like that struck a chord within me of like, you know, that's that's a spooky kind of thing. Like mm. that's, that's a neat thing. And I appreciate the fact that they decided to like land, check it out briefly, and then not follow it into the woods. Like right. that was a wonderful surprise. Like I thought they were just going to bumble into the woods and then they were going to be in trouble and somebody else was going to have to rescue them. But no, Yates was just like, no, we, you know, we've, we've looked at this, we've done our due diligence and yeah. now we're going to continue on, you know, with, with the mission at hand. I, I feel good about that. Yeah. They weren't distracted by a side quest, yeah. which I, I admire them for that because when I'm playing video games, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. There, there's a shiny thing over there. Yeah. It's just over there. I don't want to come back and make two trips. Let's just do the side quest now and get on to the main one after. I'm just a completionist, so I always want to do the side quests while they're available and like not accidentally finish the entire game yeah. <laughs> without doing all the side quests. This is different, though. This is, quote unquote, real life yep. for these characters. So they were real doing this, the smart thing. Mm -hmm. yes. Science, not magic. Science, magic. Science, magic. That was hilarious. Were, were you siding with the doctor on that one? Oh, yeah. Yes, of course. Okay. Uh, and I just think it was hilarious that he literally just had a one word back and forth shouting match with the local white witch. Yes. <laughs> that, I've heard that the doctor is kind of jerky in this story. And so far I've seen little bits and pieces of it, for, but for the most part, it, it's not as bad as I was expecting. Probably mm -hmm. it gets worse later. There are definitely a few things like... In our previous episode of Lazy Doctor Who, I complained about the doctor saying that he wants to try to turn Joe into a scientist, and yeah. he repeated that here, and I was just like, you, sir, are dick. <laughs> like, that's, that is not her choice in life. That is not her calling. Why are you trying to turn her into something she is not, you know? It's like the, the people who get into a relationship with somebody who they think is really neat, but not quite what they want. So like, I know I can change him. Like I've, I've been in that relationship. It does not work. So doctor, yeah. let it go. <laughs> yes. And you married him. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. I was not talking about you at all. What would I change? Well, the hair, apparently you like shaggier hair. And now thanks to lockdown central, <laughs> uh, I've got a nice healthy, mm -hmm. uh, Pertwee Buffon, except it doesn't stand up on its own right now. So it's very much a, a Mike Yates Buffon, I think, or circa 1971. You're, you're approaching Beatles mop top uh, at, at some point. I think maybe monoid mop top is probably a more apt. Oh, no. um, like, why, why would you say that? Why would you put that in my head? Because it's not far off. Uh, it's true. <laughs> maybe Beatles mop top, like rubber sole. Ear. No, it's. I wish it was that that long it doesn't quite cover the ears yet but it's it's getting a bit uh just, bit shaggier just give it time i'm I'm, grow I'm 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 going with it like some people are just like fretting about not being able to have haircuts but i am i am going i am following the lead of the unit of officers i want you to to look at the actors mm -hmm. who yeah. play the unit officers throughout the course of the john pertwee era because let me tell you spoiler alert mm -hmm. military regulations when it comes to hair length mm -hmm do not apply to actors playing military officers as they go through the 1970s. You know what? Unit is different. Unit that, is true. Unit is the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. That's not like the Army, the Navy, yeah. the Air Force. Yeah. So 
Obviously, UNIT has some some different restrictions, possibly because it is an international organization and there may be some cultural differences associated with hair length. And UNIT does not want to, like, like tromp that. on those local customs. So, you know, you can just do it, what feels right, do whatever, baby. <laughs> the official UNIT uniform is tie-dye. We just see the military one most of the time. Okay, they wouldn't go that far because the brig would not. Uh, I don't no. think he would, he would have any of that. No, speaking Speaking of the brig, though, there was, I think, uh, a deleted scene in the script uh, where initially when the brigadier is waking up the next morning after trying to find out where everyone is, apparently that uh, there was supposed to be a woman handing him the phone, which I thought was hilarious because the, the dialogue earlier alludes to it. So he left somewhere. And we don't know where. And everyone just assumed that he went off to have a, um, a night uh, with a lady. I assumed that. And I still, even though that was not in there. Just the way that it was framed, he was very clearly on the edge of a bed that was larger than where he was. I just assumed there was somebody in that bed with him and that they, uh, not like literally on set, but right. I just assumed that, you know, within the fiction of the world that, uh, that yeah, he was, he was in bed with somebody, but the Doctor Who, the family show was not going to, not going to show us that. <laughs> so I, I picked up on what the writer was putting down, regardless of the fact that they cut that out. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Retreat. Because, you know, the, the, the brigadier seems to know, well, assume that the person on the other end of the line knows where he is because, you know, bring my car around. Maybe he's at his house. Maybe he is at his house. Who knows? Because, you know, they didn't necessarily know where he went after. He could, ha- could have gone out somewhere with right. a woman and then gone back to his place. And then, you know, per- like by that time, they'd stopped trying to contact him or he was not answering the phone because he was busy. Sleeping, he was comfy in his pajamas in that shot. I just want to point that out. I appreciate that he has a, a a good enough relationship with whomever this is that they can have their fun and then they can just get in their jammies and then you know hunkered out of bed. <laughs> it's time to go to sleep, mm-hmm. just like that. Um, <laughs> my my brigadier head cannon is like really exploding yeah. after these episodes. Yes, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all every, everyone's letting their hair down. I mean, instead of going to Devil's End in their uniforms, Benton and Yates for some reason see fit to wear their civvies for this one, and I'm not entirely sure why. Do they are were they going in undercover? Or something, or how undercover is it if you arrive in a helicopter? That's the thing. You arrive in a <laughs> helicopter that actually says "unit" on it. Yeah. This super secret agency that's, but they're wearing like their jeans and coats and stuff. So that was a weird choice. Perhaps it was because they weren't officially assigned to go there by the brigadier, so they were willing to go as far as taking his helicopter, yeah. but not as far as trying to pretend it's an actual unit mission because they were wearing their uniforms the night before when they were watching television correct yeah, rugby game yeah uh okay so then i guess they just you know woke up in the the next morning and decided to put on regular civvies because including like a, a kind of a snappy shiny red jacket on mike yates yeah. I was like, wow that's that's something it's a flight jacket i don't know what that was we never see it again after no. they get there he no. takes it off and he probably set it down somewhere and just forgot about it mm-hmm. in in the heat of not battle but you know what i mean no. and not the heat of the heat barrier either uh, I like the heat barrier. That was neat. That was the thing that I kind of remembered from the first time that I saw this, but mm-hmm. I hadn't remembered specifically like the visual of it, of this giant swath of just burned blackness that mm-hmm. not only goes along the ground, but like up the sides of buildings and stuff, Yeah, uh, which 
okay, kind of doesn't make sense because first of all, the street sign was standing in the middle of the heat barrier and it, it was fine. Uh, also, we establish toward the end there where the doctor throws a rock at it mm-hmm. and the brigadier says, you know, rock and steel and, you know, whatever. Um, whatever building that was going up the side of, like, what was it made out of that it didn't just collapse and crumble? Also, why is the the ground not like a giant crevice or chasm because unless the heat barrier literally stops right there in which case they could tunnel under it maybe some of this is covered in later episodes but that's the kind of nitpicky thing that i would care about if i was enjoying this story less but so far i'm quite enjoying it well a that's good that you're enjoying it b i think perhaps the heat barrier just sort of set up drop a heat barrier and just sort of went like as far down as everything goes which means it would be on top of the building which really if if they're being smart about it go through the building, through the building. <laughs> that's that's true yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. maybe they're just too polite we could go through the building and have to knock on the door i'm not feeling that social today mm-hmm. it's may day everyone's gonna be out partying doing yeah. stuff cold calling is just never fun it's never fun even in 1971 mm-hmm. so uh 20 years after the last witchcraft uh uh act yeah. was appealed apparently or something that's what she said i don't know enough about like, I feel like no. maybe that's true, because otherwise, why put it in there? I don't know. I imagine it's probably true. Uh, this is written by Barry Letts and Robert Sloman, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Guy Leopold, mm-hmm. um, who I know, I'm just going back to the Joe Grant thing, who seems stupider or more irritating in this mm-hmm. certain parts of this episode. Yeah, like in episode two, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of, I like I said, have been expecting the doctor to be kind of not very nice to her but like the the one moment where he's not super nice to her like she kind of earns it mm-hmm. uh at the end of that episode where they find the the little spaceship yeah. and you know she tries to pick it up and he says you can't pick it up because it's 750 tons or whatever it is and yet her reaction is oh be serious mm-hmm. like why that, that was a very steven taylor thing like steven taylor who has seen time travel and other aliens from other planets and like all kinds of stuff and still just can't believe a gosh darn thing mm. and previous to this i feel like joe has has actually been pretty savvy with things like she gets frightened by them when it's appropriate to be frightened by them but she's not like not disbelieving and then all of a sudden here she's like oh be serious some because something's heavy yeah. like that's and so i feel like the doctor's reaction uh which you know he's pretty stroppy uh i feel like that's that's appropriate at that point so so yes so far the doctor is not always being super nice to her but she is also not written terribly well here no no i agree she's sort of there to ask the really stupid questions i think and she's got that, like she ha- has some good moments, and when she does, the doctor, you know, kind of recognizes them, sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It, but Joe saying like, "Well, I can't remember whatever clarifying question she asked when he had finished off his slideshow or was starting a slideshow," mm-hmm. and you know, he's like, "You know, at least you're using your brain." Not a very nice way to say it, but he does, you know, call out the fact that yes, she is, she is thinking it through logically, and then he follows it up with, "I'll turn you into a scientist yet," and I want to punch him in the face, but. <laughs> Maybe he means like not necessarily a, like a scientist as a profession, but just sort of a scientist in her way of thinking, perhaps. Then say it differently. Words have meaning, Doctor. <laughs> How would you say that? Think like a scientist? I would probably just say, we'll have you thinking logically. I, no, you know, I wouldn't say anything like that because that implies that she needs to change from the person that she is. And again, I circle back to, mm-hmm. stop that, Doctor. Well, 
having someone, you know, turn to science and reason and logic isn't that bad of a thing. Maybe he just misses Zoe. Yeah, maybe. I do. Yeah, and Liz, let's face it. He just wants the Shaw back. Oh my god, that's that that is the subtext of this wow. story right here. This story the whole time. Joe Grant's time on Doctor Who. Wow. Yeah. The doctor misses Liz Shaw. Which, you know, I mean, Joe is is delightful and sweet, but I also miss Liz Shaw, so I guess I can't I can fault the doctor a little bit for the way he expresses that, but I can't fault him for missing her. Yeah. Good old Liz Shaw. Um what else do you want to talk about here? The master is that a thing? Anything about Roger Delgado apart from being awesome and Roger Delgado in this, or the fact the fact that he's become such a uh, a notable character in the show that the cliffhanger to episode three is <laughs> is the master going to get out of this? That was really something. Yeah. I was just like, this is this is our cliffhanger. Is the is the villain <laughs> going to make it out of being attacked by a different villain? That's a choice right there. Mm-hmm. That is a choice. But it was an amusing choice, so I I don't fault them. Yeah, I I suppose really the you know the big thing is that holy crap this giant horned beast is so dangerous that even the master is cowering, uh, which yeah. is you know says a lot about what this beast is. I was I was actually surprised to find him, to see him like falling down and cowering. Mm-hmm. So that was that was actually like I feel like it was a, a good cliffhanger as far as I'm concerned because I wasn't expecting any of those things to happen. I mean, I was expecting the, the, the master to call on uh, the demon again. Uh, and I guess in my, you know, somewhere I was expecting, eventually it's going to get out of hand and he's going to need the doctor's help because he's the master and that's what he does. Yeah. That's what happens. But I wasn't expecting uh, to actually see him literally fall down and cower in front of something that's super, super powerful for him and have that be the cliffhanger for the episode. Yeah. I want to say uh, good things about some of the visual effects in this episode. I thought the bits where that uh, Garvin is like firing at the big giant thing and then like he disappears in a giant flash and there's a tree burning next to him because uh, he turned to fire. And then the, the little effects, which are all practical effects of like, you know, the brigadier throwing a stick mm, into yeah. the heat barrier and instantly sort of burning up because apparently like those are actual, like I think there was a, a, a wire attached to that tree branch. Mm with an explosive charge in it oh. and as he f- flung it someone triggered it mm-hmm. and same thing with uh, the swagger stick when he sort of holds it up mm-hmm. so very believable and simple effects mm-hmm. yeah i was impressed by that too because uh, i was like as soon as i saw the big black mark on the ground i said okay like i remember you know it's a heat barrier and we had seen the van explode which was also a pretty cool thing yeah like the uh like the explosion there uh and i was like okay how are they going to demonstrate this is he going to hold out his hand and yeah. burn it or something happy that was not the case but um but no i i agree that it was very effective the the rocks and the the sticks and and that yeah. worked it's convenient that he you know decides to i'm going to point very specifically is that it over there and point with the swagger stick so uh-huh. that it actually burns up the helicopter by the way was stock footage of that exploding i think it's from a james bond film actually oh. from you only live twice i could be wrong about that but uh yeah i think that's where they got that brief bit of um, footage stealing from james bond potentially if i remember that rightly and then we cut back to the master smugly smiling and thinking yeah we got him and i was just like oh my god you've been around the block you should know better but he doesn't yeah if you don't see it happen (laughs) the master you're not gonna kill him (laughs) show me the body or he ain't dead like that's that's my thought exactly Mm -hmm. 
Um, oh, we should talk about Osgood, the scientific officer, I suppose, who doesn't have a clue about, well, the doctor's science anyway. He might know other stuff. Uh, it might, he might bring enough uh, cable to reach power pylons and stuff. But, but yes, I do believe that that Osgood is a direct dis- not ancestor. It feels weird to say ancestor when it's only like 50 years ago of Osgood from the modern series. So I think that is a deliberate tie-in when they named Osgood in Day of the Doctor. That's cool. It's a, you know, being in unit is a is a family affair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which slide the family stone. Yeah. I was going to say just like it is for Kate Stewart. Whoa! Never thought about that. And they're both in the same uh-huh. little control room there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a uh, our current day unit um leaves you know th- has a lot this this story has to think this story boy i, I have also had scotch yeah, had scotch mm-hmm. it's played by alec linstead who goes on to appear in doctor who twice more mm. in robot and revelation of the daleks well well I, I was trying to like draw connections like what if is there another connection to osgood and the brigadier but then no not not necessarily robot did feature um the brigadier but that's all i got sure mm-hmm. there you go uh, anything else about the demons slash daemons parts two and three? Uh, we have a living, moving, capering gargoyle. Bach! <laughs> as played by the, the Stanley Mason, this diminutive little fellow who hops around and stuff and sticks his tongue out all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was a capering gargoyle, all right. <laughs> he's kind of cute in his... He's too, he's, he's too cute! He's terrifying in his cuteness because then all of a sudden he just like zaps poor Win Stanley into uh, nothingness. That's true. I still was kind of like giggling at him while he was doing that. I was like, oh yeah, I should be scared. It's kind of like the quirks. Can't take him seriously at all. <laughs> Sorry. And then you have, you know, like maybe if there was less capering, I would right. be able to, to take take them more seriously. But yeah, um, there's, a, there's a lot of capering. I, I don't mind that because he's kind of like, you know, he's a little gargoyle. I don't know if he is a stone gargoyle come to life or a demon turned to stone. I can't tell which is which. But so many, so many times in Doctor Who has the uh, the villain or the henchman or whoever Bach would fall into uh, slow and lumbering and stuff. And so it's rare to have this capering little, like it seems jo- kind of jolly and stuff, and then it zaps you into nothingness. And I thought that's that's a neat little dichotomy of things. Sure, it no. just doesn't. It just doesn't work for me. That's no. all. I I think the the jolly thing that then kills you has to really like vibrate on the right frequency for me, and that is not it. The quirks are not it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Is there clowns? Clowns are terrifying. Yeah, they are never jolly. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of like something that is laughably silly. And then kills you, and that makes it scary. And I'm not coming up with anything right the now. The Candyman. The Candyman, also constantly terrifying. There is never a jolly moment with a Candyman. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, there are things that are meant to be fun mm-hmm. that aren't. So, clowns and the Candyman. Right. But then there are things that are genuinely, you know, fun and jolly and capery. Uh, and then I just somehow can't take it seriously enough. Sorry. That's just my head. That's fine. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other Bach fans to make up for your dismissing of. I am well aware. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Liz. Bach was on the cover of one of my very first Doctor Who books I bought, the Encyclopedia of Doctor Who A to D. 
Why? Because he's B for Bach, I guess. He was just on the cover of it. I still have the book. It is torn to shreds. I tore the cover off that thing reading about it. It's why I know the production codes to this day because mm-hmm. the at the end of an entry was the production code in brackets and they had an episode guide at the, at the front of the book and I'd flip back to see which one they're talking about. Most of the stories I hadn't seen, including the demons, mm-hmm. but it was very exciting. So, Bach. Why didn't they have an X on? It's A to D. Yes. B is also in the book. They probably just thought that was the best looking one, and I disagree. What would you have put on from A to D at that point, 1987? I probably book. would have put an Axon and a Dalek, both. Oh, yeah, Dalek begins with Everything's <laughs> may, mm, Maybe they couldn't put Daleks on the cover then. They probably could. Okay, then the demon. I want to point out <laughs> that... The book series stopped after the next volume. They never actually got to the end of... Oh, no. Yeah. I never got the second book, but I cherish that first book Aww. to bits. I can't remember who wrote it. Tony somebody, but uh, yeah. I feel like I've seen it here, so yeah. I, I recognize that. Like, I can picture the cover in my head, mm-hmm. so I guess I knew that this was a villain that was coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now he's here. Weirdly, I don't actually have any memory of Bach from the first time I watched this. I remember little bits and pieces. Uh-huh. I don't remember anything about that gargoyle at all, which means I didn't like it very much. That's too bad. Yeah. Well, you don't hate him though, right? No, I just don't have any particularly strong feelings one way or other. I feel like I'm enjoying a lot of things about this story, good. so the stuff that I'm not enjoying, I'm just sort of ignoring. Well, good. That's a good way to look at all Doctor Who that you don't enjoy. <laughs> don't rail against the cancellation of the show or something like that if you don't enjoy an episode or aspects therein. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to say before we sign out here? I don't think so. Okay, well, thanks everyone for putting up with our uh, little mini um, hiatus there. Uh, we do that all the time. Yeah, we do. And I would like to re- retract that apology. Okay, I'm sorry I said sorry, everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you didn't even say sorry. You just thanked people for putting up with it. But I feel like that's that's what we do. So I'm sorry that I uh, falsely apologize. <laughs> sorry. I just I just don't want to set expectations that we're going to try to be any better now because this is a tough time. And even just getting the uh, the the joy, the concentration, the focus up to be able to watch an episode of Doctor True. Who. And then do a podcast about it is not an easy thing. I think the only reason I was able to do this today was because we had a lovely chat with some friends over Zoom earlier. And that kind of lifted my spirits and made me feel like, you know what? I think I think I could handle watching some some Doctor Who and, and actually doing a podcast about it as opposed to every other day for the past several weeks where it was just like, nope, can't do that. Have to put my head down and just put one foot in front of the other and try to keep going. Um, Today there was some lightness and you you need a little lightness to do a podcast like this. And, you know, there's not as much lightness around these days as I would like. That's very true. Mm -hmm. That's a nice way to end the episode. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm going to tie that in to a reference to the fact that there's a rare night shoot in the uh, episode two of Doctor Who. So bring a little lightness into the world in an mm-hmm. episode of Doctor Who that had a rare night shoot. That's that's how I choose to end it. Well, I'm going to add on to that then by saying that I totally thought that that, that part was going somewhere else, the, the night shoot, because it had the, uh, the copper who was just right. like, he was suspiciously jolly about being able to just hang out and get some quiet time mm-hmm. you know and you know for his little night overnight shift when several people had already died or yeah. as far as he knew died so 
I thought he was in league with the master and I thought he had been hypnotized mm-hmm. and as soon as everybody else, you know, for the BBC guys left, that he was going to go in and do something nefarious and no, he just got killed by something giant later on. So I don't know if they meant me to think that or if I was just reading into it wrong because of the performance of that one guy, but that was a bit of a red herring. It was a bit of a red herring. I don't think they would have been allowed to uh, have a policeman be evil oh, because right. Terror of the Autons, they had their wrist slapped by making one of them an Auton mm-hmm. and not being trustworthy by the police. So instead they thought, let's just kill him instead, <laughs> which he was trampled on by a giant thing with hooves and horns, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Horns, very important. Yeah, yeah I, had for- I had forgotten about that. So I guess I, I guess I should have trusted the police a little more there. It was just, just seemed like the, the way that he played it yeah. made me question. I understand. Mm-hmm. More lightness uh, than I'm trying to paraphrase what you said like three minutes ago to end the episode <laughs> better and I can't, so. Uh, why don't we just say we will be back when we as as human beings feel enough lightness to be able to do that. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Night shoot or not. <laughs> here, here. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.